Hi, friends. It's another episode of Doable Discipleship, and we have a small favor to ask of you. Would you mind taking a brief minute, less than one minute, less than 60 seconds? Think about it. It's not that long. It goes by very quickly. And in filling out a quick survey for us, because we would like some information about what you're interested in, where you're listening or watching from, and so that we can frame uh, content a little more specifically towards you. Yep. Great. Um, (laughs) So uh, we've linked to the survey in the show notes below. If you're listening, then you can uh, click on the show notes and it'll take you to that link. It's a super quick form, just a few questions. And we would deeply, deeply, deeply appreciate it. Yeah, mobile friendly. So you can do it right now, just right from your device. It's even mobile friendly. Yep. Easy, easy, easy There's stuff. no reason not to. It's not scary. Don't be afraid. Such a little thing, but so important to us. We really appreciate your time, and, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, friends. Happy 4th of July. Woohoo! That's not patriotic, is it? You know, whenever you see a fireworks show now, there's the inevitable Katy Perry fireworks song that comes on. And I'm like, the only thing this song has in common with this fireworks show is the word firework. There's nothing patriotic about that song, in fact. No. What? I don't have an in fact. Oh, I was like, like, how can I strengthen what I just said? Can't figure it out. You're gonna really make a doesn't matter anyway. Hey, please have a safe and wonderful Fourth of July, everybody. Which is tomorrow from the day this episode goes out. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Hey, this is Doable Discipleship. My name is Doug Jones. I'm Jason Wheeland. And this is a Saddleback Church podcast and YouTube show designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, or as we like to call it, the show that helps you grow like a burst of a firework, (laughs) like a. But Rapidly. hopefully not as not as gone yeah. as a firework, <laughs> yeah. as robust <laughs> and temporary as a firework. That didn't play. Uh, didn't work out. Excellent metaphor, Jason. Thanks. Hey, today we're wrapping up a series that we started six weeks ago called, well, we didn't really name the series, but we're basing it on the book, The Relationship Principles of Jesus by Pastor Tom Holliday. Yeah. You can view it here. Jason is showing it off there so beautifully. Uh, if you're listening, just use your imagination um, if you are just tuning in somehow, uh, if you're new to the show, well, first of all, warmest welcome to you. But if you have subscribed to the show for a long time and you just haven't been listening or watching, go back to episode 53 and you can start back there and then go through all the episodes and get all caught up. And pick up a copy of the book so you can follow along. Yeah. You can buy the book at saddleback.com slash books. Click on Relationships. Yeah, and there you go. Or you can find it anywhere else. Books are sold. This is a tenth anniversary year for this book, so it's, it's ended this up is being our final just episode timing. in this book. And yeah. I just—that's special. Tenth yeah. anniversary. Yeah, it's almost like go. Tom wrote this book just for us, even though he didn't. It but wasn't almost, just for us, but we, as a show, didn't exist when he wrote this book. It's true. Anywho, uh, so today we're going to be talking about the last. Uh, you know, Pastor Tom wrote this as a six-week kind of process, going through a 40-day journey, and we're entering into the last one today, which is that you must treat others as you want them to treat you. Well, of course, if you want good relationships, that is. Uh, And this is often called the golden rule, the teaching of Jesus that is just so simple, so, so basic to good relationships and toward becoming like Christ that we call it the golden rule. And we're going to be digging into that today. The theme verse is Luke chapter 6, verse 31. It says, do for others as you would like them to do for you. 
Such a simple moral and relational teaching, but so, so powerful, as so, we shall see. Yes, yeah, so powerful. And so, so we start off this episode kind of asking the big question. The big question that we ask ourselves is, how do I get my needs met in this relationship? Yeah, That's something that, that almost all of us, even if we don't know that we're thinking about it, we're thinking about it. How do I get my needs met yeah. in this relationship? And so Pastor Tom, he, he lays out this uh, list of the rules that we play by. And these are rules... Um, that that are not good, but but we play by them, um, and, and so we're going to talk through them and and talk through why we shouldn't look at relationships the uh, this way. Yeah. First, we got the reciprocal rule, and that says, "Whatever you do for me, I will do for you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours." Right. And so, but but this rule it, it carries a shadow side to it. It carries kind of a a dark side, which says if you don't scratch my back, don't expect me to scratch yours. Yeah. And so that's just idea of, of I'll do for you as much as you're willing to do for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't expect me to do anything that you're not willing to do. You know. And so it, that can really be a hindrance in relationships. Hmm. Because, yeah. because, and it gets us nowhere because it places all of our attitudes and all of our behaviors completely under somebody else's control. It focuses on on what this other person is doing rather than what God says or how God says we should be acting in relationships. Yeah. So it, it really it, it it's really a selfish way of looking at it when you think about it, because it's saying I'm not willing to give any more than the other person's willing to give. Yeah. And in relationships, sometimes there are seasons where it can be harder to, you know, for each side to give completely into a relationship. So mm-hmm. sometimes you need to give a little bit more in order to help the other person, to encourage the other person, and ultimately to keep that relationship alive and afloat. Mm. Um, and that's something that we talked about um, in the second episode where we talked about the things that love does. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it, so, it, but if we live by this rule of, of if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, then it's, it really comes down to this, eh, I don't really care enough to do anything extra for you or to yeah. go, you know, it's, it's, it's I only care because you're going to do something for me. Yeah. And that's the wrong way to look at it. It's easy. I, probably some of you, when you heard that rule, you probably thought, oh, that sounds fair. You know, like relationships are supposed to be a two-way street. It's it's supposed to be like, you know, both sides doing for each other. And that's that's true. But that's that misses the point of this rule. The, yeah. the, the, the problem here is that by operating under the under these terms, this fairness idea, you actually you actually end up limiting how good you're going to be, how much good you're going to do unto somebody else. And so, like you said, yeah. what happens when you en- enter into a season of that relationship where maybe one person is suffering or going through some something tough and they don't have as much capacity to bring mm-hmm. a lot of energy into the relationship? Then what's your attitude going to be? Are you going to be the person that says, well, if you're not going to carry your weight, then I'm out of here too. The relationship is thus ended. Yeah. The other way to think of it is I'm going to go above and beyond I'm going to I'm going to stretch my arm a little farther and bridge more of this gap. I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that this relationship is a priority and I care for you even if at the very least for a season you're not going to be um extending the same effort back toward me, which by the way is a perfect picture of God's relationship with human beings. <laughs> I was I was literally just thinking like imagine if God operated by the reciprocal. Oh, <laughs> dude, we would be up the creek. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yeah, it just would not work. Let's talk about rule number 2, the 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 
The reciprocal rule is important. Let's talk about rule number two. This is called the ricochet rule. Can I just say quickly, I love the spelling of ricochet. Yeah, isn't it? It feels so... I don't know why. It feels so French. It does. <laughs> uh, and this rule is the one that says, basically, the way I've been treated in other relationships controls the way I treat you in our relationships. So all the hurts of my past and all that stuff are going to be brought to bear on this relationship. And this is a tough one because it's hard to avoid... Obviously, we all show up to relationships with our own set of hurts from the past, things we've been through, the things that have influenced us. But the problem with this rule is that it, 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 it puts us in a position where we're forced to relive the pain of the past again and again and again in new relationships. And this is a major problem. It can cause damage to current relationships that, that might otherwise be healthy. You might have a relationship that's new, that's off to a great start, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship relationship or whatever the case may be, you may have a relationship that has really no good reason to fall apart, but may fall apart because you're bringing, uh, you're bringing a lot of past hurt into the relationship and it's, it's causing you to behave or act out in unhealthy ways in that relationship. And so there's, there's a principle that I heard. I, I, I know it's, I don't know who this is ultimately credited to. I've heard John Maxwell talk about this in the past. He's got some interesting stuff on this. Uh, but it's called the porcupine principle. And it's this idea that all of us human beings, we live in this world together, and we want to be close to each other. We long to come together. Um, the, world, the world and the life that we live, especially in this fallen world, can be a hard thing, a hard place to live. There's a lot of hurt in life. And we want to come together for warmth and connection and comfort and togetherness and community. The problem is that, like porcupines, the closer we get to one another, the more harm we begin to do to each other. And so the porcupine principle is the idea that we all want to, to come together, but we all have quills. We all have barbs. And when we come, the closer we come together in relationship, the more we can begin to harm one another. And so this sort of back and forth hurting or the hurt from the past gets carried into new relationships and it can cause real problems. So this ricochet idea is the hurt that I felt in the past, I'm going to direct out to you uh, through my behaviors in this relationship. And that, that can be a big issue. I think one thing, before we move on to the next rule, just one really simple thing, this is kind of a pre-doable. Um, if you get a relationship and you're finding that your past hurts are causing damage to that relationship now, um, it's impacting maybe one or more of your important relationships. There's a couple things that I'd like to recommend. First, uh, go check out Celebrate Recovery here at Saddleback. You can also go to CelebrateRecovery.com and find Celebrate Recovery ministries all over the world. Um, so get connected in Celebrate Recovery and start working through some of those hurts and hang-ups and habits. Am I saying that right? You order? said that correctly. Oh, good. Uh, a second way that you can start working through that stuff is through Saddleback's counseling ministry. A few of our campuses have counseling ministries. Lake Forest has a very big, robust, just really great counseling ministry. Yeah. And uh, you can get info, info on that by checking out the show notes, which I'll have a link to give you more info there. And we also just want to say, make sure to listen to next week's episode, because we're going to have uh, Pastor Johnny Baker on, yeah. ta- um, who's the pastor of Celebrate Recovery, talking about his new book called The Road to Freedom. Yeah, that's a great, great, so, great, great thing. Um, that's That's great. Um, so the number three, the third rule that, that we live by, we talked about the reciprocal rule. We talked about the ricochet rule. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about the hidden motive rule, which says, I act like I'm doing for you, but I'm really doing it to get what I want. Yeah. And, uh, it's something we've talked about a few times, uh, in this series, 
but it's it's mighty important. As and it says, this might be the mo- because it might be the most common rule that that we play by in relationships, mm. and that's the uh, that's the I, I'm going to do something for you, but really it's because I want to get something else out of it. Mm. Um, and so, so what we're talking about is your motive. What we're talking about is your heart underneath. Are you really doing something because you love the other person and are are thinking about them and want to serve them, mm. or are you doing something because you want something in return or mm. you want to gain in some way? Yeah, motive is such a big element in talking about the um, the power of relationships because. You're not going to have as strong of relationships as you can if your motives are out of whack. Yeah. As soon as you can turn the corner and really truly just think about what the other person could use or is in need of or would enjoy, then it completely opens up your relationships in whole new ways. True. Because you're yeah. not as because you're not worrying about yourself within it you're not worrying about what am i getting am i getting that you know am i getting this it's about thinking totally about the other person and we can see that in jesus yeah you know we can see how he healed people we can see how he he blessed people we can see how he helped people in need yeah and he wasn't expecting anything else in return yeah you know in fact in some cases he said go and don't tell people i did this (laughs) yeah Exactly. I think there's a caution here too, because if you fall into this rule, the hidden motive rule, you're going to probably fall into the reciprocal rule too. Was, yeah. These it's are very closely related. Very closely reverse sides. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. Yeah. One is about what I'm willing to do for you based on what you've done for me. This one is I'm willing to do this for you, but only because I have the expectation that you will do for me. That's yeah. not love, by the way. That's not. That is not love. That's self-focus. That's self-centeredness. That's pride. It's not love. So you may... You may see yourself as someone who's constantly doing good for others, but if you were to pull back the veil and look at your motives, you might find a lot of like darkness and bugs scurrying around underneath the rocks if you just looked a little more closely. Yeah, and that's kind of is one of the things that we're getting at in this whole series is we need to take some time to really think about hmm. um, how it is you're approaching your relationships. Of course, so, I like I know yeah. that there's times when I go into think or like I do something and be like, hey, maybe this will happen because you know. But it's always important then to stop and say, "But that doesn't matter yeah. if it, if you know, if it happens or not. It's at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I'm still going to do the dishes, yeah, <laughs> because you know it's it's a good thing for you to you know for, for me to do the dishes. I think a few yeah. weeks ago I used the illustration of everybody loves Raymond. You don't just do something because you want to go golfing, and you want your wife to say, "Go ahead and go golfing." <laughs> Well, yeah, and if you if you begin to behave according to this hidden motive rule, a lot of the time it's not going to pan out the way you think it's going to. You think if I do this, then this is going to happen. But then if it doesn't happen, as it so often doesn't, yeah, um, because that's just the reality of relationship in life. And people don't read minds and all that stuff. When it doesn't happen, then that can have a really embittering effect on you. It can have an embittering effect on you, and what can ultimately happen, too, is that your loved one will start to recognize what's going on, and then anytime you do something, they'll say, what do you want? You yeah. know, like, what are you trying to... And that just, you know, it's it creates this tension. Yeah, it puts both of you on the defensive, where yeah. neither of you can really trust exactly what the other person is trying to get at. Um, it takes you to a really bad and unpleasant place, yeah. so you don't want to Don't be, go so. there. So look out for these rules. Look out for the reciprocal rule, the the the... I'll scratch your back, you scratch yeah. mine, and nothing further. Um, the ricochet rule, bouncing all your past 
into your future relationships and, and causing problems there. Mm-hmm. And the hidden motive rule, making sure that you're not doing things with ulterior motives because you're self-focused rather than other-focused. Yeah. So now that we've talked about some of the rules that we tend to play by, let's talk about Jesus' method. Let's, let's look at the good, You know how we should be doing things. Number one, he loved sacrificially. Matthew 20, 28 says, For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Guys, if Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, don't you think that our goal should not to be served, but to serve? Yeah. Serving others, loving sacrificially, doing for others and not expecting or need anything in return. Mm. That's what it means to love sacrificially because it's giving something without getting something. Right. Um, when we think that way, our, our, um, our need for things, our need for a reciprocal, our need for in return changes. You don't need that anymore. Yeah. Um, you feel, you will feel, your character will change the more you do this. And yeah. I think that's an important point in all of this, is as you start to live by these principles that we're talking about, your character will change into and uh, towards Christ-likeness. Yeah. Because we're talking about how Jesus handled relationships. Right. Um, and that's that's the goal of discipleship, is to, is to grow and develop Christ-like behavior and character. Yeah. So y- your character will change, and you might not even know it. But a loved one might say, like, you know, hey, like, you've been really servant-hearted lately. Mm. Like, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Like, and, and it may or may not happen, but but your goal is not to have that. Yeah. But your goal is to, you know, develop that kind of character. Yeah. Yeah. To use a word you love, harking back to mm. that the, the key question that we asked at the top of the episode is, how do I get my needs met in relationship? That's something that we always have in mind. And it's not necessarily a bad question. It's about how we go about obtaining that or, or getting to the answer of that question. That's the, the hard thing. And um, if, we, if we cannot look to God as the source of all that we need in relationship and take on his attitude of service toward others, and we can't have the relationships that we want. But what you just talked about, about how over time this can be noticed and have a really dramatic effect on relationship is really true, that the golden rule tells us that it is within a community, which the community could be two people all the way up to you know 10 billion people, if you have a community where everybody is obeying this rule, where everybody is treating others as they want to be treated, you have a community where everybody's needs are being met. Whereas if you have a community where everyone is focused on themselves, nobody's needs get met because all it is 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 brutal competition, everyone trying to get what they want and what they need. So Jesus is telling us not just a way for us to be individually, but uh, the way that he wants his family to behave and the way that we get our needs met similarly to some of the other things that he taught us, which seems so counterintuitive, um, the way to get your needs met is to seek to meet the needs of others and and to to build that kind of community. All right, so Jesus loved sacrificially. Secondly, and this is a hard one, he loved his enemies. Hate to break it to you. Luke 23, 33 through 34. can't believe I said that and didn't mess that, that up. Was Luke 23, 33 uh, it says, finally, they came to the place called the Skull, or sometimes called Golgotha or Golgotha, depending on your pronunciation. All three were crucified there, Jesus and the two thieves. 
if you're wondering who, Jesus on the center cross and the two criminals on either side. Jesus said, forgive these people for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. I, I included this verse because I want you to see, hear this powerful contrast that's going on. Jesus is praying, asking his father to forgive these men who were nailing him to a cross, uh, having committed no crime. Simultaneously, the men he's praying for are, are gaming for his clothes, gambling away his possessions. Um, so you have this real strong, I'm going to use the word juxtaposition here, yeah. of Jesus laying down his life in this ultimate sacrifice while doing that and in searing, unthinkable pain is calling out, asking for forgiveness for the people who are inflicting that pain upon him. And while they're doing, while he's doing that, the men he's praying for and who are inflicting this pain on him are at play. Mm -hmm. It is a really stark picture of the kind of love that Jesus had. Um, It is... It is hard to, it's impossible to put into words the incredible contrast that's going on here. Jesus' love for his enemies is manifested here, I think, more clearly than anywhere else, because it was in his moment of pain at their hands that he said this prayer for them, though they couldn't receive it and didn't realize what what a profound thing was happening. But Jesus not only taught us to love his enemies, but he modeled it personally in a way that is far beyond what any of us will ever have to endure. Um, so he, he loved his enemies, and we, if we want to be like him, we've got to learn to do the very same thing, which we'll expand on that in a few minutes, but so true. we'll, we'll um, leave that there for now, unless you want to add to it. No, that's great. Um, hmm. Number three says, uh, he loved people despite their imperfections. And we see this in Romans 5, 6 through 8. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But if God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Um, There's something that's so powerful here, and and not just looking at, at, at what Christ did for us and knowing that we were far, far, far from perfect, and yet he he wanted to save us. He died for yeah. us. Um, but as we look at that and taking that principle and, and putting into our relationships, um, you know, the key is, is people don't have to be perfect for you to still love them hmm. uh, because nobody's perfect, so you would be loving nobody. Yeah. And guess what? You're not perfect. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's... And you want people to love you. So we can still love each other despite our imperfections. Yeah. And Christ proved that, is he yeah. loves us despite our imperfections. Yeah. And, and guys, in all three of these, if you're a parent, um, do you want your kids to love sacrificially? Do you want your kids to love his enemies? And do you want kids to love other people despite their imperfections? If you do then the best way that they can learn is by modeling it for them. Yeah. Um, Live live this way in your relationships with your spouse, with your friends, with your kids' friends, 
with your, you know, with your family members, with your community. The, um, in order to, to help the next generation live this way, it, it works best by being an example and a model of that stuff. Totally. Yeah, that's a great point. What I, what I love here is that Jesus made his sacrifice in advance, that Jesus did, he did this incredible act of sacrifice and this expression of love to people despite their imperfections in advance. So before, yeah. like before anyone committed to receiving this gift, Jesus offered it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is like the antithesis of the reciprocal rule. Jesus said, "With I, I'm going to love you without regard for how you will yeah, it's not like you went around and me. took a poll asking who's gonna you yeah. know like give their lives to me and if i hit a certain quota and yeah no. i sign this petition and then i'll exactly no. yeah he he did it because it's, it's it was well amazing. he said because it was the will of his father yeah. and because he just loved people mm-hmm. just boundlessly yeah we can learn from him greatly here mm-hmm. so how do we become like him We'll just cover three quick points, and then we'll head on to some doables. Uh, first is, if you want to be like Jesus, you got to serve others without demanding payment in return. So you've got to you've got to choose to love other people without regard for how they may or may not reciprocate that love back to you, because true love, love the only love that's really worth being called love in any biblical sense is love that doesn't have strings attached. So you've got to come to the point where you're willing to love others even if they never love you in kind in return. Look at what Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 35 says. This is Jesus teaching. He says, If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. There's another passage that I love that says, God causes the rain to fall on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Mm -hmm. He causes the sun to shine on both the righteous and the unrighteous. There is a, God's love is democratic in the sense that He offers it to all. He doesn't there is no caveat on that. And if we want to be like him, we have to learn to love people even if they're not going to love us in the same way. How about the next one? Yeah, our second way in how we become like him is to be kind and pray for those who mistreat you. Mm-hmm. We see this in Matthew 5, 43-44. says, You have heard that the law of Moses says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Um, is that something you do? Is that something that you've ever done before? Hmm. Um, have you taken the time and prayed for somebody who hurt you? Um, I, it's so easy not to. <laughs> but it's actually gratifying not to sometimes. Yeah, sometimes part of you we, at like, least we feel it is. Nope, not gonna. At least we feel it's gratifying. Yeah, but I think I think what Jesus is saying is it's not really. Yeah. Uh, that you know, it's not. That's not true gratification. Yeah, or it may gratify, but it's not righteous. It's not sure. good. It's not right. Sure. Um, so if, if that's something that you need to do right now, I'd encourage you to take a little minute and do that. Yeah. yeah. There may be a relationship that's just become polluted in your life simply because nobody has stepped up and said, I'll be like Jesus even if you won't. 
and not with spite, but with kindness and love and a sense of honest recognition of the situation and a willingness to obey Jesus. I will love you even if you can't, won't, or just will refuse to love me in return. Just start praying for the other person and pray for your relationship. Like, maybe it hasn't gotten better because nobody's been praying for it to be healed. Yeah. I would caution you, the way to start loving that person, regardless of whether they love you, is not to tell them, I'm going to love you even if you don't (laughs) love me back, because that's going to come across in a very (laughs) unpleasant and unproductive way. But I think you know what I'm saying here. All right, so serve others without demanding payment. Be kind and pray for those who mistreat you. And third, this is, I love this last one that Tom gives. Forget the ideal, go for the real. And uh, I'm going to read a quote from Pastor Tom's book from page 319 on this. But the idea here is that you set aside all of your expectations, all of your, all of your, your, your personal rendering of what the future ought to look like and of what a relationship ought to look like. Put all that aside and choose to go for real changes that can make a real difference in your real relationships right now, instead of trying to make some fictional reality, you know, come into existence, or instead of hating your relationship as it is because it's not how you think it ought to be. Forget the ideal, go for the real. Check out this, uh, uh, I was going to say verse, but this little piece of Tom's book here. (laughs) It says, back in the Old Testament, we read a lot about people worshiping idols. People trusted these false gods made out of wood or stone to give them a better life, better health, a better family. We don't have little uh, wooden gods anymore, but we still have idols. We make an idol out of the ideal. We set up in our minds a perfect image of how things should be and end up focusing on that. It keeps us from the real thing. This idol keeps us from making the little changes that can make a huge difference. So I, lo- I love the, the idol terminology. That we haven't talked about idols on the show in a long time. We, we, that, that's, a, quite a while. that's a future yeah. series for sure. Talk about how we idolize things and how it reveals what's going on in our heart. But um, we do idolize the ideal that we have pictured in our minds. And unfortunately, um, we actually forfeit the reality, the real blessings that we have today, because they're not quite up to the, the, the picture that we've built up in our minds. So don't make an idol out of your relationship ideals. That's a big one. Shall we move into doables? Guys, our final doable section for this series. For this series yeah. Um, we've mentioned a couple of doables as we've gone on through this episode. Um, so our, our, our main hit for doables this episode, uh, kind of, har- uh, harkens back Hark. yeah, <laughs> to the last uh, bit that we were talking about, which is, um, just say a simple prayer of gratitude each day this week. Yeah. Just thank God for all of the real blessings that he has given to you. Mm. Um, when you pray in thankfulness, in gratitude, it, it just it reorients your heart to be thankful for all things. Mm. And that can trickle into any hard relationships that you have too. Mm. Um, so pray a prayer of gratitude each day this week. And it, as I mentioned earlier, if you have relationships that, that are struggling right now, pray for the other person and, and pray for the health and healing in reconciliation in that relationship. Yeah. Um, basically, it's just a whole whole doable of prayer this week. Yeah. Pray together. Pray with your friends. Pray with your family. Um, it's, you know, 
prayers all around. Yeah. <laughs> That's the really doable good. this week. Prayers all around. That's really good. Here's a I'm gonna throw a little salt and pepper on this doable. Do you mind? I I don't, depending on what it is. It's literal salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> uh so so every day I have a prayer that I do on my way home. And uh the last stretch is my gratitude section. Right. Which probably should be up front, but I have all these prayer monuments that are on my drive that prompt me to pray for different people, different things throughout. And then the last stretch is there's this last ascent as I'm getting out of the canyon, and that's where I usually pray, a prayer of gratitude. And I like it, too, because it's the last thing that I'm praying before I go home and see my family. So it puts me in a good state of mind, that kind of thing. Um, and this is a relatively new habit, so don't be like, wow, Doug, what a holy, <laughs> what a holy uh, <laughs> practice you've got going. It's pretty new, still working it out. Um, but one thing that, I, that I've started to do is I'll pray with some instrumental music under my prayer. Oh, that's and good. Here's the th- here's what that does for me. And maybe this doesn't work for you. Maybe you're just a different kind of person or you have a different kind of mind. You don't engage with music this way. But um the thing with me is like at the end of a at the end of a long day, you know, you may be stressed out, tired or whatever. Sometimes you enter into a time of prayer and it's hard to get your mind and heart in gear, like get it engaged. And for for whatever reason, for me music helps cut through that a little bit. So I I can for some reason, music faster and better than almost anything else that I can think of has a way of of softening me and taking me out of a like a wound up state of mind. Hmm. So there are a couple songs that I have that I'll just that I'll play that are instrumental only, so I'm not distracted by lyrics or singing along and that kind of stuff. It's just just sound, and it helps strike a tone as I'm cruising and as I'm enjoying this time of prayer, and actually makes me enjoy it more because it kind of gets me, it gets my mind in gear. So consider just putting together a prayer playlist, something that you can play under your prayer that will help establish a state of mind. Because we're, we're multifaceted creatures, and it's not always easy. Just because you want or because you know you need to pray in a moment doesn't mean that your heart is ready to enter into that without being like, sometimes your heart is just in a hard place at the end of a day or something like that or because of something that you're going through and music can help chip away at that and help you enter into that it's time. It's helpful to have that cue for your brain to know it's it time is. to shift gears. It's good bit. for habit reinforcement. It's good for a, for a tone and um, it just makes it a, a very enjoyable time and music just does that. God, God made music. <laughs> music is an important part of the Christian life. It's why we incorporate it in worship services and all that stuff and it always has been. Mm-hmm. As long as humans have been on this earth, they've yeah. been looking for ways to make music. So music does have a very powerful in- influence on us. So if you can couple music with your prayer life, um, it might help you get your heart to a place where you're willing to pray for somebody that you were really ticked at five minutes ago. So a little... That's- little uh, pro to, tip. Uh, to smooth jazz? I don't listen to smooth jazz. I'll, I'll, I'll link in the show notes one of the songs that I like to use. Oh, a little I'll, special treat. It's a little Spotify link. A little special treat to end the series. Hope you enjoy. All right, everybody. I think we'll leave it there. We've given you enough to think about through this series. Please join us next week for a great, fun conversation with Johnny Baker. It's going to mm-hmm. be really great. We're yes. going to kick off his new book, which has just dropped. Um, that's going to be very, very enjoyable. And then we'll be back for a Hot new series Ooh. after we finish that one up. Anticipation. Should we tell them what it's about? Uh, let's just say maybe you've heard some things. Maybe uh, they weren't all true. Ooh, that is a tease. Does that work? I like that. Okay. Yeah, I'm not even going to elaborate. Stew on that. <laughs> we'll start that in two weeks. Next week's Johnny Baker. Have a great week. We love you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. 
If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning into Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.